Ephesians 6, 12 tells us our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We like to think of and to preach the gospel as positive. It can transform your life, that you'll discover love, joy and peace, you'll have a relationship with God, everything, uh, behold you're a new creation and that's great. But the other side of that is because there is that which is good, we are against that which is evil. And Paul says we're against, we're against, we're against, we're against. You need to get into your hearts and minds that we're against everything the world, the flesh and the devil stand for. We're against, adverse to, contrary to, opposed to all that the devil stands for and his realm, his orbit of operation. Want to note that the devil's not alone, you notice he talks about uh, rulers, plural, authorities, powers, forces. He has a well-organized operation, a multitude of agents who are actively engaged in the war. And make no mistake about it, it's all out war. It's all out war. Whether you know it or not, you're involved in the war. There's no escape from it. Added to that, we read that our, our stand is against the devil's schemes. That's a word I remember from when I was in the army. Uh, our battalion went on a scheme in uh, Thetford Forest in the army training area. Uh, there. And uh, every day the battalion went out to play war games. I was attached personnel, so I just went to the office, had tea and donuts while they were out uh, in their war games. That was to train and equip these infantrymen for war. So that they were on the alert, trained and equipped, ready should anything arise. the devil and all his are well trained and practiced in the warfare. You've read their tactics as you've read your Bible. As you've read through year on year uh, through the Bible you see how he operates. He's well practiced, well skilled and all his agents are active. We should note that he's, uh, he's active on every level from the global to the personal. There's no realm that is left out. If you're not too persuaded of that, read C.S. Lewis and screw tape letters. Don't open your eyes to uh, some of the demonic activity. It's still up to date and readable. So let's stop there for a moment. Where is all this heading in this world? Well, in Revelation 13, uh, we read of the dragon and the beast from the sea and the beast from the earth. I'm sure you've read it all. Scratch your heads. Well, we discover 
uh, what we discover there is that we're heading towards the ultimate antichrist. That's instead of Christ, a world dictator who will uh, proclaim himself as God. It's been done many times before. And with a one word totalitarian government, the beast <coughs> from the sea, and one world religion, the beast from the earth. In my view, it doesn't take a great stretch of imagination to see that we're on the verge of that sort of thing right now. Just to comment on that, we can see how very quickly things, things change. Think about the 1930s, a little corporal, corporal in the First World War, just into the 1930s, he proclaimed the Führer, the leader of a, a great nation. And it's not long before we're into a world war. It doesn't take many years for change to come. When you think of Stalin and communism and the millions who went to the gulags or to death, and it happened in a few short years, let alone in just recent years, a virus and almost the whole world is locked down in their own homes, imprisoned, not allowed to go out, not allowed to meet friends, got to mask up. It happened in the blink of an eye. What should our response be to this sort of thing? Let's look at Ephesians 6 here. Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you, you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation uh, <coughs> and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the saints. Before we dig into all that, during World War II in occupied France, there were three kinds of people. A, the collaborators. B, those who just kept their heads down, tried to <coughs> go with the flow and somehow manage their lives despite everything going on around them. And finally, those who were who actively resisted the occupying forces. 
what I see, that is exactly the three options that are working right now in the church in England today. There are the collaborators, they drape their altars with LGBT flags. They vote in Church of England synods for same-sex blessings, all that kind of thing. They're actively collaborating with the enemy. And then there are those mainly uh, nice evangelicals who don't do the stuff out there. We just do church. Come to church, we're comfortable, we're nice, we preach the word, and we keep it all hunky-dory. Just keep our heads down. Don't get out there, don't get involved. And finally, those who are actively resisting the enemy. So we're going to focus on the third, because that's what we're called to, the Lord's resistance army. The French resistance was a collection of groups that fought the Nazi uh, occupation of France um, and the collaborationist Vichy regime in France during the Second World War. Resistance cells were small groups of people armed, both men and women, who conducted guerrilla warfare uh, and published underground newspapers. They also provided first-hand intelligence information and escape networks uh, that helped uh, allied soldiers and airmen trapped behind uh, Axis enemy lines. The resistance men and women came from many different parts of French society, including emigres, academics, students, aristocrats, conservative Roman Catholics, including the clergy, Protestants, Jews, Muslims, liberals, anarchists, communists, and, and some fascists. They found a common cause to oppose what was happening. The proportion of French people who participated in organised resistance has been esti estimated at from 1% to 3% of the total population. It doesn't take a vast army. Read your Bible. Gideon taught that lesson. From many thousands of people, he came down to 300. Ask David when King Saul couldn't cope with his army. It took a teenage boy to take out the key enemy strategic strategy. Verse 13, um, which in this version is translated, take up the full armour of God so that you may be able to stand in the evil day. The NASB and other versions read, take up the full armour of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil word. That word stand there is capable of being translated either way, be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. We are to resist evil in all its forms, however we encounter it. That's the clear mandate of this passage that we're being given. We are to resist by standing firm uh, against 
the rulers, the authorities, the powers of darkness of this world, spiritual forces in heavenly places. We're talking about active participation in the struggle for the kingdom of God and the salvation of people. There are no passengers. If you're born again into the kingdom of God, you're part. The, question, the only question is, will you be a collaborator, a keep-your-heads-downs person, or join the resistance, which is what we are called to. So let's think about this. Jesus told us, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Did you hear that? No matter how things appear, no matter how it seems that the devil certainly is controlling the whole world, and we see the chaos, the mess, the disaster that it is. However, there is one seated on the throne in the heavenly places at the right hand of the majesty on high who has said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And he then commanded us, therefore, in the light of this truth, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. We can win the individual, the community, the different stratas of our society, but we're to take the nation to God. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We're to totally immerse them into God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that it's in him we live and breathe and have our being. And says Jesus, surely, this is the crowning place, surely I am with you always. 2,000 years later, to the very end of the age. Used to sing a chorus from my young man on the victory side, on the victory side, with Christ within the fight we win on the victory side. He is with you. He is with us. Each of us. All of us. What more can be asked for? I want you to think about this this evening, about some of the people here. Um, we started on Wednesday in the Cell Group a, a people library. In a book library, you go in and borrow a book, then take it with you and read it. In a people library, you take out a person and sit down and listen to their story. We need to start a people library. We're going to do it on Wednesdays for the next few weeks. We had the story of Jenny. You all know Jenny. She's that grey-haired older lady. She was the admin in the church. <laughs> And listen, as a 20-something, she got herself trained and obeyed a call of God to go to Africa. She joined a team of, I think it was three people, two Kenyans and herself, who were going into Tanzania to build a base for youth with a mission, for the first time base of youth for a mission in Tanzania. They went by faith to take on a nation. 
stories, uh, and if you know Arthur, he's been there, Jenny, myself, uh, of a single white woman in Africa living in an entirely black township type situation is startling enough. Travelling as the only white woman on some of those buses is breathtaking. Going to the carrier cover during I went there with Jenny, I'd make your hair stand on it. Jenny went every week to do the shopping in the carrier cover. White people don't go there. It's a story of faith and courage that left us inspired. Take out somebody, you've heard something of Vic's story called Sense. I remember Vic calling me from Zimbabwe the first time he went. We took a team with us, Dorian and I, and um, he came, he phoned and said, John, I want to stay here and go to a, a, a year's Bible school. I told him, no, you've got to come home. I knew the Bible school wasn't the place for him, but the call of God was in his heart to keep going, to challenge the poverty of some 30, 40 young people out there in Mozambique. Dorian and I were called to darkest Norwich. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't think that was a challenge, let me tell you. And we stayed. That story, some of you heard some Saturdays in August, some of that story, full of highs and lows, successes, disappointments, deep challenges, homelessness, and God was with us. Because we were where he planted us, doing what he called us to do. And I thank God that we, all three of us, I mentioned Jenny, Vic and myself, uh, can say there's fruit out there. Positive fruit. People's lives touched, changed, organisations impacted, all manner of things happened as a result. I, I commend to you, take someone out and ask them to give you their testimony and just sit and listen and then ask them the questions that arise from it. So our opposition to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places starts in our personal private time it continues in the family, in the church, in the community, on the streets, in the workplace, uh, through signing petitions, it affects how you vote, in fact, the whole of life, because we're on active duty. We're on active duty. Now, before you feel intimidated, this is only possible if, as verse 10 says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You won't do it successfully on your own with your own strength. It doesn't work. But be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Thinking about that, Ephesians 1, 19 and 20 reads, uh, speaking of, uh, Paul speaks of his incomparably great power for us who believe. Have you thought about that? His incomparably great power for us who believe. What does that mean? Well, Paul tells us the 
that power is the same as the mighty strength, listen to this, that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Human beings have tapped into all manner of sources of power very successfully, very dangerously at times too, but no one has the power to raise someone from the dead and they live forever and forever and forevermore. And death can never, never touch them again. But God exerted that kind of power and raised him from the dead. His incomparably great power is for them that believe. Some of you in a new way, a fresh way, just last week, tapped into some of that. That's exciting. It's thrilling. Don't go back. Keep tapped in. Keep, as Paul says in Ephesians, keep being, be being filled with the Spirit. Keep reviving, refreshing, renewing. Keep moving on in that Spirit. Remember, He is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to what? The power that works in us. In other words, to put it very colloquially, uh, he can fill your mind because he can do things that are unimaginable. Because you trust him. You step out with him. And you can make a difference for him. Now we note that God has provided all the equipment we need. Twice Paul says, put on the whole armour of God. The whole armour of God. We, we have to put it on. But let's be clear, we all need all of the equipment that's been provided, or else he wouldn't have provided it. It would have been unnecessary. Extra equipment that you don't need to carry around with you. But you won't get away with being content with just some of the armour. footwear is not stylish enough. I don't think I'll put it on. You're in trouble. That sword is a bit clunky. I don't think I'll bother with that. Or however else you might want to put it. See, being half-equipped, being a half-hearted believer will lead you to be a collaborator. Or just trying to keep your head down and not be engaged. That's not the way to go. You can't ignore what's happening. Since we're born again, redeemed by the blood of Christ, washed and loosed out of our sin, names written in heaven, on and on, we've been redeemed for this purpose. Redeemed for this purpose at this time, in this age, in this day and generation, with this situation and this, this circumstance. He knows all about it. And your place, your involvement was planned from before time was for now. For me, I couldn't get more excited than that. Wow. Involved. It scared the pants off me at times. I wouldn't 
Change it for anything else in the world. Right. Nothing else, nothing else in all the world is worth the Because the billionaires we have today, the answer to the question of how much did the billionaire leave is everything. <laughs> and he woke up next second to find it was all a waste of time. But we'll wake up to find it's glorious. Well done, good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. An army is as strong as each individual soldier. Paul tells us we need to pray for all the saints. I love to think every Saturday when I read our prayer diary, they're all praying for me. Just that I've been praying for all of them all week. confident that's happening, it's happening, what you're engaged in, we should pray for all the saints. Why? Because we're in it together. Amen. You notice Paul says uh, again and again, our struggle. So it's not individualistic. It is personal. Some aspects are private. It's not individualistic. We are in it together. The word Paul uses for the shield in this passage is not the small round shield that uh, Romans sometimes fought with. This is what squads went into battle in. And the man on the left, the, 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 the shield was like a small door, two foot six by four foot. The man on the left had it on the left hand side, those on the right, on the right hand side, those in front had it there, and all the rest of the squad had them over their heads. And they could move into battle order and as they went they would be quenching all the fiery darts that would be fired at them trying to kill them but together they quench all those fiery darts and move in uh, to the offense we need to know our joining in the body of christ to be linked be committed to one another and the purpose of God as we take from the battle. Paul says, I note, at the end of our passage, uh, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. <coughs> that reminds me of sentry duty. The Sunday uh, when I was 20 in the army, the Sunday I was due to be baptised, on Saturday uh, morning, with someone keeping Cayley to see, I nipped into the regimental sergeant major's office to have a look on the guard posting for Sunday. And I found I was down as guard commander. So I had to go home to tell the pastor, I shan't be coming tomorrow. I don't know who else was due to be baptized that day, but it was certainly was me. And I went back on the, the uh, on the train, the devices were on guard mounting. Now listen, I've never been trained for guard mounting. I was in the pay corps. I wasn't an infantryman. But every soldier is a soldier. And uh, I was guard commander too. I won't tell you, if everyone on guard 
has to be alert all 24 hours. There's no downtime. The beds were provided you didn't take your boots off, or as, uh, since it was winter time, you didn't take your greatcoat off, and you had your weapon beside you. Because in our time, it was peacetime, so it's okay. The, uh, <coughs> the officer, the duty officer, at any time might appear, and the man who was outside on the sentry duty would call out, stand to the guard. And you better turn out fully equipped ready for inspection, rightly dressed, and alive and awake, not yawning, your head off, uh, or whatever, even if it was two in the morning. Be alert, and always keep on praying for all the saints. You're on duty for each other. We depend on you one another that the enemy will try to take out some how do you sum up the rise to a conclusion well I'm going to tell you about George Stuffield he lived from 1818 to 1888. He, he wrote a hymn, I think, probably puts it all together for me, maybe for you. I sang these, this hymn amongst many, so many times as a young man. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, you soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner, it must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, his army shall he lead, till every foe is vanquished, and Christ is Lord indeed. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, the trumpet call, obey. Forth to the mighty conflict uh, in this his glorious day. Ye that are brave, now serve him against unnumbered foes. Let courage rise with danger, and strength to strength oppose. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail, you dare not trust your own. Put on the gospel armour, each piece put on with prayer. Where duty calls or danger, be never wanting there. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. The strife will not be long. This day, the noise of battle, the next, the victor's song. To him that overcometh, the crown of life shall be. He with the King of glory shall reign eternally. Amen. I invite you to pause a moment. symbolically to make a sand against the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Stand in the name of the Lord right where you are. Let's stand together.